This episode of the Belong Podcast is brought to you by PEI Cycling Tours. Not just a tour company, but a place to learn. Do you have a bike collecting dust in the basement and every time you look at it, you wonder if you still know how to ride it? Wonder no longer. Get in touch with me, Cynthia, and I'll help you get back on that horse again. Call 902-569-4925 or email Cynthia at PEICyclingTours.ca. Bikes are made for riding. Get on it. Moving to a new city and finding out where you fit in can be intimidating to say the least. And sometimes all it takes is just a big leap. But with roller skates, Robin Leggett takes us on her journey from roller derby to gym owner and inspiring men and women to get connected to what their bodies are capable of. Here is my chat with fitness guru, Robin Leggett. So, Robin Leggett, welcome to the Belong Podcast. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's just my pleasure. I was so um, kind of enamored by your your She Podcast uh, response when I put the call out to see if anybody would be interesting talking in, interested in talking about belonging. And I really took to your response as somebody who uh, is in in the kind of area of sports and fitness. And it's not often that I come across people that um, are in, are in, involved in, in that industry and, and um, especially people like yourself all the way in Los Angeles, California. That's where I'm at. And yeah, uh, that's, that's, it's an interesting path that my life has taken because it's not where my life started. Um, but it's where it has definitely ended up and cool. to find a sense of belonging in athletic communities. I wish I knew that my whole life, honestly. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I mean, it. it I, I can relate because I belong to some athletic communities and it's, it's like another family, right? Absolutely. It's a, yeah, it's a family that supports you and lifts you up and, and exactly. helps you do good, healthy things. <laughs> so it's a good family. Oh. It takes us time to get there, but we do get there. That's, and that's all that matters, right? Yeah. So then tell me about that path. Um, how did you get to where you are now? Oh, my goodness. Where to begin? Okay. So yeah. <laughs> just a, I'll just start with a blanket disclaimer. I never played sports growing up. I was, okay. I was maybe like active, but not into sports. And, and quite frankly, I was the kid that was picked last for elementary right. school teams you know I was yeah awkward clumsy I was <laughs> I was that kid um mm -hmm. and and so I I think I never believed that I could be an athlete I had glimmering moments in my life I went to summer camp and became a pretty solid water skier at summer camp but like didn't think much of it and didn't think team sports were ever going to be a thing for me. So I just didn't go down that path. I went down more the musical theater choir belonging path for oh, a while. Yeah. I was right on performing <laughs> arts path, um, at least in high school and a little bit of college. Um, but I found myself, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and I'm going to go to 2003. And prior to that time, I had been living in Fresno, California, I lived there. For, I went to college there. I lived there for 10 years. I was ready to leave. Um, and I guess I was living there longer than I thought I would. And a friend of mine that I went to college with sent a mass email saying, hey, I need a roommate in L.A. Uh, is anybody interested? And I looked at that email and I thought, this is my chance to 
move to a new city and try something new. And so I told her, I said, I'll, I'll take it. And I packed up my whole life and moved wow. to LA in uh, spring of 2003. It was actually April of 2003. And mm. my sister lived here. My roommate lived here. And those were basically the only people I knew. And wow, that's brave. It's, yeah, it's also scary. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a job. Yeah. I didn't have any money. I maxed out my credit cards. I did that whole thing. I just wanted to, to try something new and live somewhere different. And the thing about LA and anyone who moves to LA and has a similar story, it's, it's a really tough city to adjust to. If you don't know people and have a social circle, it's so spread out and people are generally aloof when you first meet them. Um, it's, you know, when I go down to the South, like everybody's super friendly. I didn't feel that when I first moved to LA, it was tough. And I just was unhappy for the first, you know, six months or so that I lived here. And I'm like, did I make a mistake? Uh, and I really questioned that. And so I was working a temp job. I remember I was working a temp job. I was a receptionist and I was not doing my job at that moment. I was on the computer, on the internet. And I went to Craigslist because there was no social media at that time. This was Craigslist. Yeah. I went to Craigslist and the activity partners section <laughs> because like, that's when you, that's where you go to look for people to meet. And yeah. at that time, this was pre-Facebook, pre-MySpace, pre-Friendster, oh pre-all yeah. of that. And mm -hmm. I was I was looking at the, the different posts in the activity partners section of Craigslist, and I found an ad recruiting for a brand new roller derby league called the LA Derby Dolls. <laughs> and I was like, huh, that's interesting, because I did always love roller skating. I always, at all times in my life, I had like a beat up thrift store pair of roller skates. Right. Um, from childhood to adulthood, even in college, I would skate around campus. I always enjoyed roller skating. And the idea mm -hmm. of doing roller derby, like, was always an exciting thought for me. But the sport, if you recall, like, it had its heyday, 60s, it 70s, and, like, kind of died yeah. off in the 80s. And and it was over. So I was yeah. like, this I wonder... I wonder why like that it was so entertaining it was entertaining and it you know it, it started as a sport it's a little history lesson it started as a kind of a legit sport and then it mm -hmm. evolved or devolved into pro wrestling and yeah got really, I'd say devolved yeah I got really yeah. over the top and campy and then I think it, it, it just like yeah. lost interest and so yeah. it was gone and so my lifelong like I was still enamored with roller derby and I thought it was cool, but I was like, this is never going to be a thing I'm going to do. Well, apparently in 2001, a group of women in Austin, Texas decided to bring back roller derby and bring it back for women as a legitimate sport. And then it slowly started moving around the country. Like little cities would have their own leagues. They'd form their own leagues. They'd hear about one and they'd start their own. And a couple women in LA started the LA Derby Dolls in fall of 2003 and they started it in September of 2003 and I saw the ad in November of 2003 so it was the very beginning and they were just doing like practices a couple couple nights a week in in uh roller rinks and I thought I really need to try this and talk about like being scared and bravery <laughs> Yeah, that was a, a real big reach that like, yeah. even though you liked roller skating, I mean, to to just to just throw yourself in something like that 
is that's yeah that's wanting to do something different and, and i think there was i mean maybe there was a desperation at that time in my life where I'm like <laughs> something has yeah. to change yeah and i'm gonna go by myself to this practice with my thrift store skates slung on my shoulder and i went to that practice i didn't know anybody and i I fell in love with it immediately. Like we were at that time, we were mainly just skating laps in a roller rink, but it was exhilarating. And I found that at that time it was attracting people that were similar to me, kind of misfits. It wasn't attracting lifelong athletes. It was attracting, it it had this punk rock ethos. And I'm, although I don't consider myself punk rock, you know, I came from a performing arts background and that I felt that connection where it's campy and yeah, you know? And so I, I went all in and I fell in love with it and, and found this, you know, belonging and community. And these became my friends. These became the people I did things with. And we, we all had this weird connection that nobody else understood. Like nobody could possibly get the cool life that we were living all of a sudden. Oh, of course. <laughs> like secret handshakes and everything. Handshakes right? and hip blocks and Oh know, yeah. You know, part What was your name? What was your roller derby name? My roller derby name, uh Susie Snake Eyes. <laughs> nice. And it's, it's a whole thing like figuring out your derby name and for me at that time I actually really loved gambling and playing craps and so yeah. that's where I landed on <laughs> Susie Snake Eyes. Susie Snake Eyes. There was actually somebody else in the league who was going by Robin Graves, so I couldn't use my real name because she already was. Oh shoot! So I had to be Susie. And you know, talk about the culture. I I played roller derby for eleven years, and I responded to Susie probably better than I responded to my own name. Uh, That was my name (laughs) for many many years. So wow, that's because you don't you develop like a bit of a character around that too. I mean. wasn't like a fully fledged character I would do things okay. like you know I'd, I'd I'd bring fuzzy dice to games and um, right you know wear like a dice necklace or you know things like that but um there it wasn't like the the 80s version where you had this over-the-top persona because we were playing legitimate you know re- legitimate roller derby the hits were real the falls were real there was no scripting but you know you would maybe dress in a way that that reflected your persona yeah I mean because you everyone has like there is there a team I don't know anything about it is it a team yeah so the way yeah the way that uh my league works is that LA Derby Dolls is the league and then there were teams within the league and so Uh, you know, I joined when there were no teams and then we formed the very first teams. So my team, uh, I, I don't even say was like, I am forever. My team, uh, is the tough cookies and it was a girl scout themed team. So, uh, I was the first member (laughs) and the first captain of the tough cookies. And so our uniforms would have, you know, it's like green and light blue and would have a sash and then we would put our own patches. Oh, that's so great. Individualize (laughs) it. I loved that theme. Um, And I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Whip It that came out out about 10 years ago. And it was actually written by a skater in our league. Uh, Ah. uh, Her name's Shauna Cross and she went by Maggie Mayhem. And so she wrote a young adult novel that then got adapted into this movie that Drew Barrymore directed. Ellen Page starred in. And it was very much like when I went to see that movie, I'm like, this is the closest that 
it'll ever be to my life story being on a movie screen because characters were based on characters people in my league they were named after people in my league and the team was the team was called the hurl scouts and it was based on my team so yeah oh now i gotta watch it gotta watch it find it and then two of my teammates uh real teammates were actually in the movie on the hurl scouts team so and a lot of skaters a lot of the extras were people i knew from different different leagues around the nation so so yeah i got to go to the premiere for that which was cool um and then uh and watch the story that's like this this all happened to us like all the things in this movie happened to us so oh that's great it's pretty neat so so needless to say that move that decision that you made to get involved in that sport kept you in la obviously i'm still here yeah and you're still there and but then okay so you did that for 11 years yeah so i played through my 40th birthday um and retired finally in 2014 um the only reason i retired is because uh practices were in the evening and one of the things that came out of my time in roller derby is i started a new career and became a fitness trainer and that came from training skaters I became a trainer in the league and really enjoyed the feeling of training skaters and decided I wanted to do that for a living. But anyone who is a fitness trainer quickly learns that your life is generally starting very early in the morning. And so uh, I just couldn't do the nighttime practices anymore. And so I had to step away, even though my body wasn't done. Um, I had to step away. So I did that in, in 2014 after 11 years of skating with that league people thought i would that's never a good return. career it's a, it's a good run it's longer than most it's a good role good role that's right yeah so yeah longer than most and and yeah i'm glad i did it and yeah and so that 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 kept me here like i had a tribe i i had a belonging yeah. I, I met my husband uh during my time in the derby dolls i we he proposed to me while i was playing a game at halftime uh, oh, wow. we got married on the track like that's how entrenched I was no way oh wow got engaged and married on the track oh yeah okay yeah that's a big part of your life then yeah yeah and the marriage is still intact marriage is still intact he's down uh, I'm upstairs he's downstairs in the apartment right now so yeah yeah <laughs> he's playing some terrible that's music awesome. today so I'm glad to shut him out for a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah so then you became a fitness trainer and you own your own gym and like how that happened in 10 years that happened so that we my husband and I own the gym together and so you know it's a I had been training after you know during my time in roller derby and after I became an outdoor fitness trainer so I was doing outdoor boot camps in the park um you know uh building clientele that way but the calling to open a gym was there and I wanted to figure out how to do that. And, um, one day I told my husband this and I said, I I think I need to take the next step and open a gym. And he had been working in advertising for a while. And he's like, I'm ready to make a change as well. And I would like to do this with you. And so, yeah. And so we started the legwork to figure out how to open a, a gym, a studio, um, at that time, after I finished roller derby and it took, you know, a year or two, but I found my way over to a new sport 
and that's obstacle racing. So uh, oh, yeah. people are, might be familiar with names like Spartan Race, Tough Mudder, Spartan. stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. so I took one of my boot camp groups to do a Spartan Race one time. And then I was like, oh, this is my new thing. Because <laughs> I needed yeah. something to replace the adrenaline rush from roller derby. Um, but I could train in my own time. So I started doing these Spartan races and then I thought, let's open a gym to help people do this. I became a Spartan coach. They have their own certification. And I said, let's, let's focus on this with our gym. And we ended up finding a small studio space in Santa Monica that we share with another, um, trainer. She does boxing training in there. And so we rent from her and, uh, that allowed us to get started sooner than we thought we would. (laughs) And we opened, um, rise up training in santa monica in 2018 so it's been about two years yeah oh and so how is it going it's going well we have this uh you know great like tight-knit following or not following it clientele uh it's another place of belonging quite honestly yeah of course of course yeah uh gym community is huge and community uh and family is really important we are a true mom and pop gym um and I think our clients like that, our members like that, that we really treat them like family and we train together, we race together, we support them, they support each other. So it's a tight, it's a small, small community, but an amazing community. And, you know, now in this time we're, we've taken our workouts to Zoom, (laughs) you know, we're doing streaming workouts, figuring that out, races are on hold, obviously. So you know, we're making it work and we we're showing yeah. up and uh, still doing our classes streaming now. So, and, and staying connected. Um, I think, you know, when you describe, you know, that people find a tribe at your at your gym, I've belonged to a couple of different gyms in my life. And when I think about what motivates me the most to get there, is not looking at a machine or thinking of what I'm going to be up to or with the reps or even playing squash, which I I love playing squash. It was who I was going to see when I got there. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. Because it's, it's the relationships that you build there. And, you know, it's Tuesday night. I know that that person's going to be there and Wednesday, this person, you know, and, and, and that is part of a huge part of the motivation that what that, that makes people, I think go to any, club yeah but a fitness center especially because it's a it's a you're sharing a pretty intimate thing yeah yeah you're letting people see you at your sweatiest and you're okay with that and if you wanted to you know if your primary motivator was to look at a machine there are a bunch of gyms you could go to by yourself and look at a machine but it is different and with our members it's an interesting thing because we've talked to them about that but they come as much for the physical benefits as they do for the mental health benefits good and several of our members have told us this that it's like I do this because it's good for my mental health because I need to be around people because I need to be around people who will support me no matter what and because they they have stressful jobs that we have PhD students I I I joke, but I don't joke that we have the smartest members in the city. Like they are, they, they work like really, they're intelligent and they work jobs that are demanding and they're stressed, but they come to us to get away from all that and to feel supported and loved and have a good time and laugh. Um, Cause we're silly and <laughs> we don't take ourselves too seriously. And so 
we pride ourselves in that. It's important to us that they have that, that they have that space and that community. To I really want to go to your gym. You should come to our gym. We are fun. Yeah. <laughs> Even online. It's only, it's a minor, you know, just a minor skip across two, you know, two countries. Well, here's but, the thing. Um, we are worldwide now. Like, know, in this so era, anyone can come to our gym right now. I'm, I, my gym yeah. is currently my home office, you know. Yeah. Um, I yeah. do my workouts for my home office. I use my cats to demonstrate weighted exercises. <laughs> And oh, our, our members love that too. Cause again, we don't take ourselves yeah. too seriously. So yeah, I'll do some cat yeah. work. Um, yeah. That's the weights I have. Hand. So now, sorry, go ahead. I just said, those are the weights I have on hand or my two cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fat cats. The fat yeah. cats. Yeah. Um, there's so many people who are listening to podcasts uh, more right now because of COVID-19 and, uh, and being stuck in our homes and trying to find other ways to entertain ourselves. Um, but also there's people creating new podcasts, but I'm curious about your uh, seasoned athlete podcast. Um, you, you know, it targets older athletes. Yes. And so what kind of guests do you have on? Tell me about who you have on. I have amazing people on my podcast. Um, so seasoned athlete, I started it um, just about three years ago, almost. And oh, wow. yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I'm 45 years old. And I play, you know, I came from one aggressive sport, which is roller derby, which I played from age 29 to 40. And now I'm in another aggressive sport that I started at 41. And now I'm 45. And to me, I've, I, I'm really excited and passionate about helping people and especially women, honestly, find their athletic side and discover the far reaching life benefits that can come from living an athletic life. And so for the seasoned athlete podcast, I interview athletes over age 40. That's, that's the requirement is you currently participate in a sport of some kind and you're over 40. Um, I interview men and women and it can be any sport and any age. So I've interviewed people ranging in age from 40, the minimum age. I've actually, I interviewed one person slightly under 40, but um, mostly 40. And then my most uh, recent interview I did was with a 93-year-old Spartan racer. Oh, and he was cool. 93. 93. Wow. So um, amazing. Every time I talk to one of these people, I get so fired up because they're just, their stories are incredibly inspirational. And I they range from people who have been lifelong athletes or, you know, I interviewed um, Catherine Switzer, who was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. And so she's mm-hmm. gained a bit of notoriety oh, wow. in her life for she that. She has, indeed. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, so I have people like that. And then I have everyday people that you've never heard of, but they have an interesting story to tell. And I think the stories that actually resonate the most with people are the people who started later. So people who weren't. I, I think, yeah. 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 Because that I think makes sense. They, they see, if they listen to the stories of the lifelong athlete, yeah, it's a great story, but they may not see themselves in that. They may not they may be like, that's great for them, but like, I I haven't done anything. But then I get stories like the 93 year old, he didn't run his first race till he was 48. Um and then he just started going and going. And I get people who, you know, one of my first interviews is a woman who she's an open water swimmer who has swam the English Channel multiple times in her 60s. And wow. she never did. She, she did her first open water swim in her mid 40s. And she's like, I was a spectator mom my whole life. 
And then I was encouraged by a relative to do this two mile swim and I fell in love with it. And then I just started making them longer and longer. And now she's doing 24 hour open water swims in her sixties. Amazing. An everyday person. Like she's a retired nurse, an everyday person. I love those stories. Um, And so it's, it's so rewarding for me to get to share those stories. And then the goal is, you know, again, I, I, I'm trying to make, you know, active aging is a commonplace phrase. Everybody knows what active aging is. I want to take it up a step and make athletic aging as prominent a phrase as active aging is. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I want people to be, to yeah, feel that's like just up and up. It's up a level. Yeah, up a know? level because, yeah. and as you know, the benefits of participating in a sport go beyond just physical health. You gain confidence that you can yeah. use in all areas of your life. If I hadn't played yeah. roller derby, I don't know that I would have had the nerve to try a new career, to open a gym, yeah. to That's so true. to start a podcast, you know? No, it's true. It's yeah, I mean it, it just it's part of a de- it's part of our development. It's an ev- it's it's an evolution of ourselves. Yeah. And I think when I think of my customers who who do my cycling tours, I have a, cy- a cycling tour company. And it's usually couples and typically, but not always, it's the man. If it's a female male couple, it'll be uh, one of them who is uh, more of the cyclist and the, and it's usually the woman who's not as much a cyclist as the man. Okay. By the end of their six. Yeah. So by the end of their six days with lots of encouragement and little tips here and there, I always touch touch down with everybody every day and you know they get a good kind of um rapport with each other it's a weird thing to do a cycling tour and be with the same people for six days by the end of it these women are holding their bikes above their heads and they're like pumping it into the air and they're going i did it and it's like, and it's like, what's next for that? Like, what are you going to do when you go home? Because yeah. I like to ask them, like, what's next? Are you going to, you better keep riding that bike. But, and these are people who are at like 50 and over. Um, definitely. Most of my customers are 50 and over. And this is what some of these women are doing. They're like holding these bikes up and going, yeah. yeah. You know, it's fast. You know? It's fascinating to me because, like when you said they, they come in and the man's like, yeah, I got this. And the woman's like, I don't know, you know, for whatever reason in our, in our culture, men are conditioned to have the confidence Mm -hmm. to try these things. When I go and do Spartan races, I'm a competitive age group Spartan racer. And there are way more men out there pushing themselves competitively than women. So my husband and I joke about it because we're both competitive Spartan racers and he can finish 15 minutes ahead of me and I'll be on a podium and he'll be in 75th place because yeah, I know. Isn't it creepy? Volume of people. And I said, you know, for once, for once it's more advantageous to be a woman in this society. But oh, it's so true. That the last time I was in a mountain bike race, which was was it last year or the year before? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm 57. And I, I competed in a mountain bike race here where I live. And of course I got a gold medal because <laughs> there's, nobody, there's there. nobody else. Yeah. There's nobody else in my age group. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you really going to take the mat? I'm like, Heck yes. Yeah, it's mine. I earned You're it. Darn I right. I am. 
And if I can get a pair of socks out of it, I right, will. Right? Like, jeez. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's like men show up. They they under whether it's a midlife crisis or whatever, they're showing up. Women aren't showing up in the same volume because we are not as conditioned to believe that this is something that is accessible to us uh, or that we should be doing, or it's smart for us to be doing. And, and I want to shift that. I want to change that because every, because of stories like what you just told me about how at the Mm. end of the bike tour, they're holding that bike over their heads because they're like, they, they showed up. I guarantee you, they showed up. That woman showed up and didn't know why she was there. Didn't fully understand the point of it and didn't think it's something she could do and by the end she was blown away because it absolutely is something yeah. she could do and felt amazing. she's so happy yeah. and she and crying at the same time by the way yeah you know I want because it's yeah. it's a feat like it's victorious but it's it is you finished a it's a big deal like you're talking 400 kilometers here you know and mm-hmm. and you know, they're with, sometimes they're with other people. Sometimes it could be just a couple, but it's a, always a very emotional thing. And it has little to do with the physicality of it. It's more to do with, you know, what, how that person feels about what they just did. Yeah. And, and, and you know, women often don't, don't know, or don't realize that they are super women in their lives, in their day-to-day lives. If we took a step back and looked at all the oh things that they did in there, you know, that she does in her life, she's a super woman. Yeah. So of course yeah. she can do this, you know? Yeah. So 100%. this is, this is kind of, you know, my podcast started and led me to this place where I now help women over 40 get the training tools and support to become the ageless athletes they are meant to be, whether it's an obstacle racing or otherwise obstacle racing is obviously my specialty right now, just as cycling is yours. But ultimately I want every woman of all ages, but especially older women, because I think that's a demographic that is vastly underserved. Um, I want these women to know what they can truly do and, and know the, know the, all of the benefits that come with it that just permeate into your entire life in a positive way. Yeah. It's really important work. Yeah. It really is. And then Good and a big you. part of it is, and what I get from a lot of the guests that I interview, particularly the women, like I ask them what, what draws them to the sport. They say community, they say the people they've met, the friendships. Um, that's just as big a part of it as the physical benefits, the mental benefits, like, women, women over 40, women over 50 and older are often isolated from their peers. Um, They're really entrenched in their families and don't have connection and and a social circle and a group of people that get them. And so, you know, I created, uh, I have a group on Facebook that I call the Ageless Women Athletes Group. And it's, again, any woman over 40 that plays any sport or is interested in playing any sport. And when I first started it, I got like 200 people within two days because obviously women of a certain age crave crave connection yeah so i'm happy to have a place for that that's one thing we are very good at is finding ways to connect even before social media we were masters at it yes yeah because now that so it it is and we get we've we were born getting that so i mean we're we're ahead of the game in that way but yeah well robin leggett I think you're amazing Hello. and I think what you do is amazing and I actually really wish I could travel right now but I can't. Don't we all? My, I have a do- a daughter who lives in British Columbia so, you know. We'll have to be in the I middle of somewhere. Visit her. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little side trip down to LA, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. But listen, I really summer and weather's lovely. Yeah. When they let us go to well, the beach. Well, I hope then. you're exactly. Oh, can't wait. I'm hoping that I have a bit of a cycling tour season this this year, but it's <clears throat> it's going to be hard to to tell until maybe another month. I'll, I mean, I'll have a better idea. Same, but... same deal with the races. I got to do two races yeah. this year, and I, you know, the nice thing is my last race was a Spartan Trail race, and I got a an age group podium. My husband and I both came in second in our age group, so we got to have our first podium cool. together. And so, nice. if our season is over, at least we have that. Yes, <laughs> we have that. Yes. <laughs> shared podium experience I know, it was nice. that's awesome well listen I do I, I want to keep in touch um I feel like I belong with you yeah. and, and I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your experiences and how you found your tribe and I think you know your experience that you had when you first moved to LA and how you dealt with that it seems like you're just opening that door and letting other people have that same experience now. And I think that's, that's pretty amazing full circle work and, yes. and good for you. I, you know, paying it forward feels good. And I, you know, if, yeah. if, if people take anything from it is like, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. It is scary yeah. to, to do to what I did to show up at that practice by myself. But like, think of what you're denying yourself. If you don't do these things, if you don't put yourself out there, the worst thing that can happen is it's not for you, but you know, don't, don't hold yourself back from these experiences because you never know what might change your life, what might completely change your life in the most amazing way. So put yourself out there and be brave. Well, you did that today with me. You've, you've made me think and, and made me appreciate uh, all the different people I know who strive to keep themselves in a community and in an athletic community. And, uh, and I thank you again. Um, before we go, um, I like to ask people who they would like to thank if they have anyone they'd like to thank. Oh my gosh! Um, you know, I, I, there's so many people. <laughs> I feel like I just won an Academy Award, and you're gonna play me. Okay, pick music. one. Pick one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna thank my husband. Um, he has supported me through a lot of wacky endeavors. You know, things like. Things like roller derby. I mean, he met me and it was a part of the gig when he met me, but like a sport like that becomes all encompassing. And if you don't have the right people in your corner, uh, that's how marriages break up. That's how relationships. That's how, you know, he's, he's been there. He supported me through all the years where I was, I got home at, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And he supports me through my wacky business endeavors and, you know, um, and, and, and so, and and then he's, he's become a Spartan racer with me, which I think is something he never thought he'd do. So um, I'm proud of how far he's come and I'm, and I'm happy, you know, he's the one I'm stuck in quarantine with. So uh, <laughs> Michael Leggett, That's I'm, awesome. I'm thanking you, even though he's playing terrible music today. <laughs> he chooses the music. I let him do that. And then he picks yeah. the odd stuff sometimes. So yeah. I got to give him some crap. He's going to like that when he hears Right it. on. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Robin. I really appreciate it. And I hope you're safe and you stay safe and that this all ends sooner rather than later. And we can get back out there with our tribe and do our thing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for all having right. me on. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you to Robin Leggett for sharing her journey with us and for being a bright light for seasoned athletes everywhere. Have an active week and I hope you belong right here with us next Sunday.